listening to the Red Sea Podcast. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. Keaton DeRocher and Bob Osgood. Sale winds, he fires. Swing and a miss, right play, it's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. Welcome back to the Red Sea Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux. Today I'm joined by Keaton DeRocher and Bob Osgood of Over the Monster for episode 297 of the show. You can send us in questions at redseatpodcast at gmail.com. Um, gentlemen, welcome back to the show. How are you guys doing tonight? So good, Jake. So good. I'm glad. Um, Keaton, do you want to share with the listeners why you're doing so good? Nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's keeping his, his snack stash private. Um, yeah, no, I just you, got some butter popcorn. It's tasting real good. Just, you know, a little happy little mood. Okay, I like it. I like it. Positivity, Bob. How you doing? Can you match Keaton's uh, energy? You have any yeah, good snacks? I'm so good. I just started doing Molly about a half hour ago, and it's <laughs> kicking in, and I am ready to talk Red Sox off season, baby. Molly, wow, is it 2012? Yeah, it's a throwback. I'm at a. I just left a Calvin Harris concert. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, I just I'll, the only thing I brought to the show today is a cold. So, um, you know, you guys are gonna have to bear with my old man voice today. But you know, that's that's Sounds what it is. Like uh, John Henry. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Not not quite as uncertain as John Henry sounds all the time. He always sounds confused when he talks. <laughs> But with the season drawing to a close, the Sox will play their last two home games against the Rays. Then they have a four-game set at Baltimore, and it is now time to look towards next season. So on this episode, we're going to be building the team on the offensive side of the ball and attempting to fix the team's defensive issues. So what we're going to do is we're going to go position by position on the offensive side to explore potential upgrades available to the team and what they might do. So let's kick right into it, guys. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Let's let's start with the catcher position. Red Sox have Connor Wong and Reese McGuire right now as guys who are currently lined up to be catchers for them next season. Um, Wong is a good defensive player. He's pre-arbitration. And McGuire is still going to be cheap uh, next year. He only made $1.85 million this year. He's entering his second RV year in 2024. Um, my feeling is that they're going to leave this position alone and roll with these guys and kind of wait till Teal arrives. But um, let's start with you, Bob. What do you think they're going to do at catcher? Yeah, um, I got to say I agree with you on that. You know, I'm not thinking that McGuire is a definite, but I think that long-term uh, Connor Wong and Kyle Teal are going to be a really good kind of complementary left-handed, right-handed catcher combo. And after our conversation with Chris Clegg two weeks ago, it had me even more convinced of that, that Heal is on a fast track. And he really has been in that the way that they only sent him to Greenville for 14 games. And even the fact that they started him at Greenville and then uh, played nine games <clears throat> at Portland since then. And he's handled both of those assignments well. 
uh, playing a really good defense. And it just seems to me that second half of 2024, even at 22 years old, that he has a chance to to get to the major leagues by then. And if not 2025, you know, early, early in the season at latest, I would think. Um, so I don't see what, excuse me, I don't see why they would go out and really make a splash or, you know, need to focus too much on that position with what they have looming. And there are so many other areas of the team that, um, that I think we need to focus on that we'll talk about this week and next. And I, I don't, you know, think, defensively that that catcher was the problem this year yeah the future of that position is quite clear and it's not that far away and i mean the red sox have shown we've talked about this a bunch especially with uh, the most recent kind of rash of offensive prospects for the red sox but they're not afraid to really push these guys and um you know be aggressive as they move through the upper minors um, like Devers, Moncada, Benintendi, all those guys combined maybe played like 50 games in double A AA and triple A. Um, and uh, you know, Bob outlines how right away they were aggressive with Teal. I wouldn't be shocked because he, I mean, it was a small sample size there in uh, in double A, but they were aggressive in moving there, moving in there. I wouldn't be surprised. Though probably unlikely if they just sent him straight to AAA last uh, to start the season to just to see how he can handle it, um, and basically in the hopes of seeing uh, if he can adjust and how basically how quickly he can get to the majors. But I don't think it's going to take that long, and I think second half of twenty twenty four is quite reasonable for him to make his debut. So it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to shake up that position. And plus, we all know it's pretty difficult to separate McGuire from his Wong. So I think it, it makes sense <laughs> ah. to just uh, hold that position where it's at for now. Man, I had like some more stuff to add, but now I'm like thinking maybe I should just leave it at, at that. Um, that's the earliest that's been brought in all yeah, season. That's a That's a hot take right there. Usually um, it's not me either. But I no. would not pass that one up. That's pretty good. It's really out of character, Keaton. Yeah, so, I know. Well, I think Connor Wong is definitely a, a surefire option. I think Reese McGuire is a guy who, if the team decided to go in a different direction, uh, I'd be completely okay with it. Just looking at some of the names who are available at catcher, the only guys who I would really consider jettisoning, jettisoning um, Reese McGuire for would be you know, Mitch Garver, uh, yes, Monty Grandal, even at 35, I'd rather have him. Uh, Martin Maldonado at 37, I'd still rather have him than than Reese. Um, and maybe Mike Zanino. Those are kind of the only guys who I'd prefer from a defensive standpoint, and they give you maybe a little bit more upside uh, with the bat. Maybe Tucker Barnhart, too. Um but I, I just have trouble kind of thinking that any of those guys that I just mentioned would really be interested in accepting essentially the short side of a, a catcher platoon there. So it seems likely to me they'll just kind of roll with what they have. And, any- and they'll have, you know, somewhat of a similar not entire pitching staff, but McGuire has some continuity with uh, there's a, uh, Brian Bayo posts a picture of him and McGuire on every game day or something like that, right? It seems like they have a really good rapport. And 
I don't know. I mean, it, it just wouldn't be the worst thing. I think it's fine to kind of have him as a, as you said, short side platoon. Those are all, none of those really excite me too much. And I don't, I wouldn't want any of those players to block Teal later in the year either. So, you know, sure, you bring someone in for a couple million, it's fine. But, I mean, I think Garber might get some money for the way his bat has been this year. Yeah. We could always bring Sandy Leone back again. I saw that name. I can't believe he's still kicking around. <laughs> right. Five years ago, it seemed like he <laughs> couldn't hack it anymore. Well, we'll always have the, what was it, like a month where he hit, like he was the best hitter in baseball. Yeah. That was great. I do so. remember that. He had like four grand slams. <laughs> Guy was incredible. Let's move over to first base. Uh, this one's pretty easy. Tristan Casas is there. Um, Casas is really emerging as one of the best young power hitters in the game. Uh, so this seems to be his position on the team moving forward. Um I guess the only question here uh, with with Casas and, and first base is like, you know, does does Bobby Dahlbeck play any factor here uh, with the team? Um, we've seen him kind of look a little bit more mobile since he's come back up to the majors. Uh, do you guys think there's any shot for him having a bench role with this team or, or anything like that? Let's start with you, Keaton. No. But you're looking for more than that. Uh, you know, if that's what you have, that's what you have. But um, <laughs> I guess we're not we're not buying the resurgence of Bobby Dahlbeck in any way. I guess your your thought is probably that he he finally gets moved this offseason. Uh, I mean, is there interest? I don't, it doesn't feel like there's a market. But I mean, no, I'm not buying the resurgence. He just feels like. And in case of emergency, it like the emergency plan for the in case of emergency. Like it took like I don't know where are we at, like a gazillion injuries for him to finally come back. A gazillion injuries in last place and out of the playoffs for him to come back. So I, it doesn't really seem like there's a path to a prominent role, especially with the second half that Costas has really hit his stride. Um, with the bat, he's started to get things straightened out defensively. He doesn't look as completely lost anymore. It looks like solid major league player. We were hoping he could be this year. So um hoping he, that he'll be able to build off of that potential. And then I just, I don't really understand what the role would be or the, the point would be with him there. Um, they'll probably try and move him, but I don't know if there's a whole lot of interest there. Yeah. I guess the only thing with Dahlbeck is like, obviously he's not going to be challenging Casas for any time at first base. Like that's been decided already. But the only thing is if you think that Bobby Dahlbeck can move effectively around maybe first base, third base, a little bit of second base, uh, left field, you know, if he can kind of mold himself into a true utility guy, whether or not you want to, have him on the team rather than maybe like a Rob Snyder or even like sending Willier Brayu down or something like that. I mean, Bob, what do you think about that idea? Or is it just, you know, there's not enough meat on the bone here with Bobby Dahlbeck? Yeah, I mean, if he didn't get called up this year, then I don't see what he could possibly do to get called up next year. He's having one of the best AAA seasons 
that we've ever seen. And that's, I mean, he's got 33 home runs and 18 stolen bases <laughs> with a 381 OBP in 114 games. Like, he's absolutely destroyed the ball down there, but he's striking out 34.3% of the time. And they've obviously made up their mind that he's a, a quad A player at this point. And as Keaton said, it took all of those things to happen for him to get called up again, no matter how on fire he was four or five days in a row with home runs, whatever it was. He wasn't going to get the call, so I just don't see how that happens with a more competitive team next year. The only other person I could see that's on the roster now uh, that could get, be involved is Justin Turner if he opts into his contract next year um, or if they decide to extend a contract to him, you know, have him be that right-handed backup. I mean, Cassis has been hurt a few times. He was hurt last year. He finishes the season on the IL this year. They might want some insurance there, but I don't think it's Dahlbeck. All right. We've uh, talked about Dahlbeck much longer than I ever wanted to, so that's my fault. You could have um, let Keaton go with no. You had your out. <laughs> yeah, I know. I yeah. should have. I should have. Um, I want you guys to both finish this sentence uh, for me. Tristan Casas finishes as the number what first baseman next year? In war? Yeah. MLB? American League? Fifth. Whole MLB. Still fifth. But are you are you going with, with your five, Bob? Or are you, are you Justin? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm uh, still going fifth. That seems pretty good. Um, uh, I'll go fourth just to be different, but that, I mean, like four, five, six range seems pretty good. Guess what number I was thinking? Fifth. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were all kind of. Right at the same spot with that. So, yeah, we're yeah. we're pretty damn high on Tristan Casas. Let's move yeah. to second base. Uh, this is the position that I think is probably uh, the most interesting uh, coming into next year because there's just so many possibilities. Um, guys that they have on the team as potential options would be Luis Urias. Sedan Rafaela could be an option. Um, but I tend to think that this is a position that they might actually have to look outside of the organization to fill. Uh, and one of the reasons why I feel that way is because Urias seems like he's going to be too expensive. He's already entering his second ARB year and he made 4.7 million last year. Um, he hasn't exactly played like a player that deserves a raise from that. Um, although I will admit there is some upside there. And Rafaela to me, it just seems like, even though he could absolutely play that position, it seems like such a waste of his defensive talents to stick him at second base. So let's start with you, Bob. Do you think that either Urias or Rafaela are a legitimate option there, or would you also tend to look outside? No, I don't. I don't think they're legitimate options. I think that it's good that Rafaela is getting experience taking ground balls at second base. Uh, I think if something happened next year, like, this year where you're in an emergency and you have 
an extra outfielder and he can slide to those positions in the same way. I mean, like Mookie Betts did this year, right? I mean, this is somebody who has a similar defensive profile that he can play center field and shortstop and seems athletic enough that he's trying to make second base work. Uh, Urias has options and I don't think he's shown us a thing since uh, being traded over that was any different than what he was doing in Milwaukee. You know, I mean, he had a couple of big hits, right? Two home runs. He still has two home runs. Basically did all of his, all of his production came on those two swings. He's done nothing else really. Uh, it's not to say that at 26, he can't bring a decent season back. I mean, he has a 23 homer, 75 RBI season at 24, but he has options. So I would imagine that they will utilize those. And I think that this is a position either by free agent or trade, um, which I think we'll get into next, that they probably, it, it seems just with what they have locked up at other positions, unless they trade players out, that second base is a logical spot to uh to make a move all right keaton are you in agreement that luis urias and sedan rafaela are not the best options and if so would you go the free agent or trade route yeah uh, i am in agreement and um i mean especially i mean urias defensively at second base was a minus three defensive run saved and we've all seen he was a um not really doing anything with the bat this year at all um, with the Red Sox or prior to his arrival. So um, I don't think that's the way to go. And it definitely is just a waste of Rafaela there. So I would go the trade route because the free agent market here for second base is awful. Uh, and a guy that I would look at is um, Hassan Kim in San Diego. That's who I would target. And I think, um, Real, um, real solid defensively, can also play multiple positions, can shift him around, um, but I would kind of focus on him being an everyday second baseman. Uh, and also pretty decent with the bat, too. So um, pretty solid around guy, 27 uh, years old, entering the fourth year of a fifth-year deal. Fifth year is a mutual option there. So um, I don't think it would be crazy to put a package together for him, especially with um, Padres still have Cronenworth, who they've consistently played every day at second base as well. Um, they have a bunch of other options there. Um, so it's not not like you'd be taking a major piece of their roster away. Um, he might have been their best player this year. Kim? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I mean, know. He's, I, had, he's absolutely crushed it. Yeah. No, he's killing it. I still it. think Juan Soto's slightly better but yeah right. i mean like yeah he <laughs> yeah. he had a hell of a season i was not I mean, expecting the offensive output uh that he put up this year yeah soto 5.3 war and kim was 4.5 which also it's might crazy um make san diego lean towards trading him if they think he's not going to mutually opt in next year and they only have him for one more year um they might want to capitalize on this massive year and look to move him for what would end up being the final year of his contract. So um, I think he is a player that would be a massive upgrade for this roster. Wouldn't cost a fortune uh, and would be a great target. So that's, that's the name I came with. That's a really good name. I, I would love the idea of Hassan Kim. Do you have any uh, 
trade names or free agent names? Uh, Bob? I didn't realize Kim had one year left, and that is really interesting and a good call, Keaton. My uh, target was a free agent, and I feel like a one-year stopgap is the move here. I don't think that – or two years, but I don't think locking somebody up long-term with how many middle infield prospects that they have uh, kind of – then you have every position in the infield blocked. And I don't think that they want to do that. So the one-year name I came up with was Whit Merrifield in Toronto. Um, he has had four, uh, a plus four outs above average defensively this year. I think they need to sign a veteran who can play good defense. Um, I think that he's somebody who still can hit towards the top of the order if you need him to. He's stolen 40, 16, and 26 bases over the last three years. It would be good to get a little more speed in the offense, a little more defense. You know, I know that he's 34, turning 35, and why I think since there are other positions um, that we'll talk about this week and next week that I'd like to throw a ton of money at, I think second base is a spot that, whether it's by trade, I think Kim's a great name, um, but Merrifield's the only free agent that I could see on there that brings that, you know, th- there are other hitters, but, um, you know, the, the only other one that I that played great defense that I looked at was Andre Jimenez and Cleveland had, Locked him up to six, seven-year deal recently and went the long-term route with him. Um, that's the only other one I could think, you know, he had kind of a down year offensively. And if Cleveland was rebuilding and they have a lot, you know, between like Rocchio and Arias, they have a lot of middle infield prospects. But I think that's unlikely with the, the long-term deal that he has. And I don't think that that's something that they really want to take on. Um, so I didn't see a whole lot in trade, but it is September and there's plenty of time to dig into this. All right, I got one name um, that I think was talked about a little bit last year, and then uh, this player got injured and it kind of stopped being talked about, but Brendan Donovan of the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, he's a left-handed bat. He's 26. Um, he's not going to be a free agent until 2029. He's not ARB-eligible till 2026. Um, plays solid defense, hell of a bat, doesn't strike out a lot. Um, I kind of think that Brendan Donovan is exactly who we kind of envision Nick York to be is his, uh, best case scenario. So the move I think for the Red Sox is clear out some of the extra prospects that you have. Cause this system is, is very healthy and it's loaded in a lot of areas where you're going to have to potentially start losing guys, um, to rule five and things like that. So I would actually trade Nick York now plus some other pieces for Brendan Donovan, who is what you want Nick York to be. Um, and Nick York, uh, is a good player, but I don't think he's, you know, going to be an impact guy next year. Um, and Donovan, he had season ending surgery to repair a flexor tendon, um, strain that he had, but he should be ready for spring training. So he's a guy who, you know, worst case scenario, maybe he misses like a month next year, but you still have him for all that control. So he's a name I really like. What do you guys think about him? I think it's feasible because they have between Edmund and Mason Wynn. And I feel like there are some other infielders that, um, you know, if they could maybe move somebody. I think that's a good name. 
I think if you're going to move a top prospect, though, I really want to focus on pitching and get, like, I mean, two top-end starters would be nice. But I think if we're going to move, like, a major package, I'd, I'd want to focus on a pitching return versus um, a positional return. And I think Nick York... If he's going to get moved, um, which I think you're you're onto something that he's probably going to be a, a hot name from the Red Sox farm system this offseason. I think I'd rather dangle him out there for pitching. All right. I think you're wrong, and I think that they can get pitching other ways. Um, no, the only but... possible way they can get a pitcher is for trade Nick York. That's <laughs> that's it. All right, let's move to shortstop. Uh, this is another kind of no-brainer position. Trevor Story appears to be the one. He's making a lot of money, uh, and he's a very elite defender. But my question is, and let's start with you for this one, Keaton. By the end of next year, will we be talking about Story as a productive member of this team or as a deadweight contract who can't hit to save his life? Yeah, this is interesting. Um, I think he's going to be a productive member of the baseball team. Um, obviously this year has been weird and his return hasn't been as sharp as he would have liked, but there's still some things in the underlying numbers there that look good to me. Um, his exit velocity is down about two miles an hour, which given uh, the injury that he's had as he's recovering, isn't, terribly unsurprising but he's still barreling about the same his hard hit rate is about the same and his sweet spot is actually the best it's ever been so he's still squaring the ball up um just like he's always ever been capable of um but just the strength isn't quite there yet which i think kind of makes sense so i think a healthy off season nice spring training going into next year i mean we're not obviously going to see the Trevor story of 2019 where he's going 30, 30 and hitting 270 or 300 or something like that. But a productive member of the lineup while playing elite defense at shortstop, I think is pretty reasonable outcome. What are your thoughts on that, Bob? I think it's a great question. I, I'm really torn on torn on this one because there are so many excuses that he does have that are valid, but when you've got two years worth of excuses, when does that become a trend? And, you know, between the injury this year, but even last year, he signed, they had that weird lockout situation, and he signed in mid to late March, and then he got food poisoning, and then he got you know, hit by a pitch and he had like an incredibly choppy first month or two. And then he was on fire for a while. And then he got hurt again with a season ending injury. And then he had modified Tommy John surgery. So this year turns into, well, you can make excuses if you want to, right? He's been very good defensively, but his timing has been off and he's, struggled mightily against curveballs. They're throwing a ton of curveballs to him and he hasn't adjusted too well. 
His stats look horrible, but it's just, again, it's a lost year. So this goes back into that, all right, well, next year is when we can judge what Trevor's story is going to be. I mean, that's what you're asking. Is is it? Are we going to look back at it? I think it's somewhere in between. I don't think he's ever going to get back to what he was in Colorado. 2019 was the last, I guess 2020, the short season, he was really good as well. So 2020 was the last time that he was Trevor Story, 290 hitter with power, with speed, defense. He hasn't been there since since 2020. That includes the last year in Colorado where he was fine, but he hit 250 in Colorado, which isn't great. So I think I would expect a lower average, you know, 230, 240, but I think he's going to get some power back. He has stolen eight bases, so I think he can be a 2020 guy again, but with a low average. And will that be worth the contract? No. But I don't think he's this. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I can't see him getting much higher than like a three and a half war player. Um, And I think that would be a pretty good outcome for him if he gets back to like basically what he was like. I don't know. I'm trying to pick out a season of his. Like, if he gets back to, I guess. No, right, there's been no in between, good. right? Like, no, that's... there is no in between. <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe his rookie year, but like. Elite was... for several years, and then it's, yeah. it's been nothing since. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's been bad since. So, I really don't know what this. I do think he's going to get over 20 home runs. I agree with you there. I do think he will get about 20 stolen bases, but I am worried that this average could be a lot closer to 200 than like 250. Um, Where do you think he would hit in the order next year? Sixth or seventh? I think it has to be that. Yeah. And like if you're paying a guy like they're paying Trevor Story, I mean, it's not a huge contract, but... It's a lot of money. I mean, if I'm I'm gonna pull it up right now, Trevor Story is making twenty million. Uh, his AAV is twenty three point three, so that's substantial yeah. amount of change. And if he doesn't opt out, he's there through twenty twenty seven. Yeah, yeah. This it's it's not looking great, but at least it'll be good defensively. It's not what we can say about the next guy. <laughs> That's what we call a transition in the business. Third base, Rafael Devers. That's the name. Um, albeit not quite as simple as it seems, uh, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, so I won't beat it into the ground, but for you guys who weren't listening a few weeks ago, um, we talked about how bad uh, Devers has been defensively, uh, really for most of his career, but certainly the last couple of years it's been pretty pretty in our face and Matt Chapman is out there as a name who represents an excellent opportunity to flex their financial muscle and fix this issue, forcing Devers to DH. Um, You know, this is, this is complex obviously, because if you do uh, sign Chapman and force Devers to DH, that means Yoshi can't DH and there's all sorts of downstream uh, implications for that. Um, so let me just start with this question, and I'll, I'll start with you here, Bob. Uh, has your thinking changed at all on this, or are you still thinking that the move is clearly just to see if Devers can figure it out? No, I, I mean, I feel the same way. I just 
the year one of a 10 year extension hasn't kicked in yet. And it's not like it's just one bad year uh, defensively, but he got to a decent place a year ago. Um, let me just try to pull that up. He was at negative two uh, outs above average a year ago. And if he can do that, then I am totally fine with Rafael Devers at third base for another two or three years. You know, he's negative eight this year. He was negative 14 in 2021, which is obviously terrible. So I'm willing to give it more time because he's 26 years old and he's about to start a 10-year contract and make $30 million a year. And I just don't think that whether it's the right move or not, I don't think that they're willing to move him to DH already. I don't think that was part of the plan in giving him that massive contract. I think they have to give it a go. Um, and continue to work with him on that. He's still in his prime. We've seen him be competent at the position, uh, which means he can get back there. Now, if, if there's another year where he's the bottom 5% votes above average, then I can see it. But I don't know. He was he was acceptable a year ago, and I'd, I'd like to see him get back there. Um, I am not in favor of Matt Chapman. I think he's going to get too much money. He's getting older as well. There's just other places that I'd rather spend that money with what is already being spent on a third baseman. Yeah. I mean that the issue that I have with this is just that if Devers doesn't get better because, um, two years ago was sort of more of an aberration than norm for him being close to close to the middle of the pack in terms of defender. If he doesn't get better, I think, the team is worse defensively with Rafael Devers at third base than it is with Yoshida in left field. Um, and I don't think that's like a huge statement or anything. Um, but I also understand now from looking into it more, like you were absolutely right, Bob, when you said that Chapman's going to get paid because he's literally like the only guy out there. Uh, this offseason, aside from Otani, so if you miss out on Otani, it's like there's not a lot, um, and he's still an elite defender at third base. So, yeah, I think he's going to definitely get north of 120 uh, and maybe even north of, like, 140. Um, Jeez. So we're probably looking at, like, that Trevor Story level uh, deal for him, and that seems like a lot. Um But I know that, Keaton, you had an interesting thought about a guy who is potentially similar to Chapman with the glove, younger, and somehow cheaper. So where are you thinking with this? Yeah, I thought, um, I mean, all of that stuff is correct. It just may be a little bit more difficult to acquire than I originally thought because I thought I found another gem until I realized that they just signed a um, contract extension last offseason, but it's significantly less than what Chapman is about to get paid, so that helps. But it's uh, Mr. Ryan McMahon of the Wilderness over there in Colorado, who... Uh, nice um, reference. Thank you. Uh, this year is even better defensively than Matt Chapman um, and is two years younger at 28 years old um, and has essentially the same stat line 
23 homers. He's got five steals, so he has a little bit less than, than Chapman there. But uh, 11% walk rate, strikes out 30% of the time, is hitting 245, uh, and is playing even better defense. Now, where this is going to get a little tricky is he did sign um, contract extension with Colorado, six-year, $70 million contract extension. Um, but that's going to pay him uh, $12 million, $12 million, $16, 16 um, And then, I mean, this year he's making nine from that extension. So that is significantly less money than Chapman is about to get on the uh, open market. And uh, because he just signed that extension and you would then get him for the next was that four years? Um, that's going to take a lot to wrangle him in, but two years younger, playing better defense, doing, I mean, slightly better offensively. Uh, Chapman, the past few years, the average has been slightly down. So, uh, McMahon consistently at 245, 250 has been slightly better offensively, but still pretty comparable. Um, Colorado's not going anywhere. Uh, they're a dumpster fire. So, um, honestly, the fact that they were able to even get this done is kind of astonishing. That's so. a really interesting name. And when I think about that name, um, first of all, I love the idea. I think it's a great idea. Um, but I think that Colorado is just one of these teams that's constantly chasing pitching. And... A guy whose pitching profile I think would be attractive to Colorado for playing there is Tanner Houck. And if you look yes. at the team control that Tanner Houck has left, it is pretty comparable and cheaper um, than McMahon. And they're much better at developing hitting prospects than they are at pitchers. And I think Houck might feel his skills are a little underutilized here in a relief role. So I could see the basis of that McMahon for Hauk being a really um, good trade option. Sent Dahlbeck with him. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> Done deal. I mean, that kind of makes a ton of sense, right? I mean, if 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 we had Dahlbeck and and uh, and and Hauk for for McMahon, who says no? I'm not sure. I'm not sure they do say no. Honestly, with their decision making, who's to say? Yeah, I mean I th- that makes I sense. Think though, right? is a pri- I thought Hulk was a prime candidate to get traded a year ago, and yeah. he's someone that has almost an equal amount of um, of team control. Yeah, I mean that's a really he's great really start. only been up for two years, so that uh, that's a really interesting match. I like it. Yeah, yeah, that definitely starts the conversation for sure. I think that is. Uh, the perfect opening to get a deal done for that, and I think McMahon again. Great addition. I also had one other name um, that is a potential bridge. Uh, Jake, I think you're going to hate it, but uh, could play second or third. But um, Nick Madrigal with the Cubs doesn't really have a spot. This is kind of has like an awkward spot on the roster. Um, But an elite defender guy that doesn't strike out. Could be a guy, again, plays multiple positions around the infield. Could be rather useful. Um, 
and a guy that wouldn't necessarily bog anything up um, for future top prospects uh, where you had him, but could definitely lock down some of these positions um, for more than a year if you needed him to uh, and play play some really, really elite defense at multiple positions there. I'm a 36-year-old non-professional athlete, and I'm pretty sure I could take Nick Madrigal in an arm wrestling match right now. <laughs> I mean, He's the sure, most maybe you could. punchless hitter I've maybe ever seen. He's a little slapper. I don't want any any part of that little ding-dong on this team. You know what I his career ISO is? I knew you would. <laughs> What's his career his, ISO is uh, 074. Yeah. No. No thank you. Punchless. I like Ryan I thought McMahon, we were going though. for defense here. Give me give me McMahon. You got me all hot and bothered about McMahon. I, I oh, need yeah. this I need this Hulk for McMahon trade to happen. ASAP. Yeah. Bring give him a ring. McMahon in too. Yeah, hey, there I you mean, go. who who knows who's making decisions for the Red Sox right now? Just you know, call him up, make it happen. All right. Let's move over to left field because I think left field and what they do at third base is going to be pretty intimately connected. Right now, uh, Masataki Yoshida is the left fielder for this team. You know, if if they don't make a move, if they don't move Devers, um, this is a place where you could move Masataki Yoshida over to DH and you could potentially um, shift Jaron Duran from center field to left field and give Sedan Rafaela center field where he's you know incredible um but i'm curious keaton what do you think is the right path for left field it's it seems like what we're leaning towards is that the likeliest thing to happen is that devers does stay at third base so it would figure then from there that the likeliest thing to happen with yoshida is that he is the dh so how would you approach the left field position that may be the likeliest, but you asked me for what's the right thing to do. So I'll tell you the right thing to do. The right thing to do is move Devers to DH and then fill third base some other way. But so that would leave Yoshi staying in left field, move Verdugo for some pitching, and then have Duran and Rafaela playing center and right. And Yoshi, Rafaela, Duran being your outfield. I think I'd be fine with that outfield, honestly. Like, we're going to get to center field in a minute, and I think we can – why don't we just loop in all of the outfield at this point? Because I think you can't talk about one area without talking about the other. Sedan Rafaela is an 80-grade defender. I think he has to be – either in center or right. I think he plays best, obviously, if he's in center field. But his talents are not wasted in right field at Fenway Park, and he has the arm for it, whereas I think Duran probably does not quite have the arm for right field at Fenway Park. And I think those two could cover up for a decent amount of what, happens with Yoshida what's your take on the outfield next year Bob there's a lot of pieces in this puzzle and the first one is whether Alex Verdugo is there or not Um, I do think there's a decent chance that he gets moved 
you say, you know, what's the right thing to do? The right thing to do is to throw however amount of money that Shohei Otani needs <laughs> to be the DH next year. And then go. a starting pitcher for the 11 years after that as well. Uh, I don't care what the number is. And Chris Sale's money is coming off the books a year from now, so they can go over the luxury tax this upcoming season. And then whatever they got to do, finagling numbers the year after that, I don't care. 500, 600, whatever it is, they should be going all in on Shohei Otani. And especially now that that gentleman who we are not going to bring up on this week's podcast is no longer here. Um, one of my first thoughts was that at least the percentage chance that they will make a genuine effort, not just be the interest kings on Shohei Otani. Um, so that's my pie in the sky answer. Um, if they go, you know, if they do trade Verdugo and bring in a free agent, uh, Jorge Soler is a name that I love. I'd love to get one more power hitting bat into the lineup. Um, he's just, I know he had kind of one down year in there, but he has played right field 30 or 40 games the last couple of years in Miami. He played a little left field last year. Anyone can handle left field in Boston. So if they have Soler and Yoshida, some sort of combination of them in left field and DH, then I would have Rafaela and Duran Ref Snyder um, kind of pairing at the other positions. So I, I guess that'd be probably Rafael in, in center and Duran and Ref Snyder in right if they went with the Soler Yoshida kind of left in DH. So this all like there's you know there's a lot of different paths you can go. If Verdugo is here, my answer is different, but I think that that he's kind of a prime candidate to get moved, and it goes off of that. You know, Bob, I'm a little disappointed in part of that answer. You uh, yeah. you said anyone can play left field here at Fenway like you didn't live through the Hanley Ramirez era. Yeah, but I lived through the Manny Ramirez era. Whoa, Manny Ramirez was a very good defensive left fielder. I will not stand for that slander. Yeah, Manny had an absolute hose and actually like knew how to play the wall. Hanley was such yes, a he ridiculous. Knew how, he knew how like, to play the wall on the road. He was not a above average left fielder. Outside of no. that one catch where he gave the guy a high five in Baltimore. Outside of that, like if if Manny had to play left field in I don't know Colorado, <laughs> how would that go? Just admit it, Bob. You blocked out from your memory how yeah, bad right. Hanley was. But yeah, I know he didn't transition. <laughs> <laughs> I did not block out how Blake Swihart was in left field either. Well, um, hey, I'm not going to stand for that slander either. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was once a catching prospect that you appreciated. probably yes. high uh, most of the time he was out in left field. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it's an easier position to play. And I, you know, I think if you go Rafael at one of the other ones, that, that left field is a place that you could bring in more of a, a slugger for a year or two. Um, if they don't go Otani route, I'll tell you how you land Otani though. Okay. You set him up New with balance. a messy like contract. When he retires as a Red Sox, he has option to become part owner. He gets revenue sharing from Nesson every year, and again you pay him like half a billion dollars. Win win. More than that. 
Well, a year, half a billion a year. <laughs> a year. <laughs> half a billion a year. So talk me through this Otani thing. So if if we gladly go out and get Otani to play DH, because that's the only place he can play coming off elbow surgery, uh, what does your outfield look like? How do you how do you deploy the outfielders in that case? If Verdugo's still here, he's in right, and Raphael is in center, and Duran and Ref Snyder are in left. And then when Justin Turner opts in, you between Devers, Yoshida, Otani, and Turner, you have four DHs, and it's the best problem you could possibly have. So your bench is just DHs? <laughs> what was it that uh, Sam Kennedy said in that press conference? It's uh, DHs and defense. Everybody knows that's how you win championships. Oh, uh, yeah. There we go. <laughs> now, this is the thing that's confusing me. So let's talk about Verdugo here because I think that that's something. Oh, I forgot about is... Yoshida. That's what you're saying, right? Y- yeah. Y- Yoshida yes. doesn't okay. have a home in, the, in your situation. Sorry. I'm moving a lot of things around on my page right now. So that would be Yoshida, Raffaella. Duran and Ref Snyder, Verdugo gets traded. Boom. Right. So yeah. do we all agree Verdugo is getting traded? Yes. I think it's most likely, yeah. I do too. And in which case, if Verdugo is traded, who do you play in right field? So like I'm I'm thinking about that, and I think that Rafaela makes more sense in right than Duran, just because of the arm thing. I'm yep. curious as to if you guys agree with me there. I do. I sure do, Jake. You're so smart. Oh, thank you. Bradley played center more during his prime, right? Yes. He's also a free agent. You never know. (laughs) I get, going back to the original point, though, like, do you care what the rest of the roster looks like if Otani's in the middle of that lineup and here for 12 years? Like, don't you just figure all the other shit out yes. off of that? <laughs> Absolutely. It's yes. like, I, yeah, sure. Tell me that Otani is coming to Boston, and I'll figure the rest out, and I'll make a couple of trades, and we'll we'll work it out from there. Yeah, we'll get we'll, rid of a DH. We'll figure I, some it's things like, out. I don't, I don't care what problems that creates. We'll make all Keaton's he, trades for pitching with all the excess outfielders. <laughs> yeah. Even Nick York could go in that case. Yeah, well, that is the only way you're going to get a pitcher. So you have to. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We've established that. Um, I'm sorry I forgot about Yoshida. But what about Willier Abreu? Is is there any chance that Abreu breaks camp as a starting right fielder for this team? Or is that just kind of a, a pie-in-the-sky thing? And kind of the best thing he can hope for is breaking camp as a bench bat. Because he's shown kind of a lot here. He's got a hose for an arm, too, so that'll play. I've been impressed with his defense and his overall plate approaches. Breaking camp as the everyday right fielder? Yeah, that's crazy. He's like fifth in line right now, right? He would be probably third in line, right? Verdugo, Rafaela, then him. Yeah, it seems like a long shot. I wonder if they would have, it's funny how many left-handed hitting outfielders they have. It's kind of wild. I was going to say, I wonder if they would have signed 
Ref Snyder if they knew the way that Abreu emerged, but Ref Snyder could be like their only right-handed hitting outfielder again and just play 50 times against lefty starters and get pinch hit for whenever the lefty comes out of the game. That's exactly what's going to happen with him again. There's Mike Trout again against lefties. Um, I think Abreu, he does have options, but I could definitely see him breaking camp as a member of the roster. Uh, I'd put it at about 10% that he's the starter. Yeah, I think I'm probably even a little bit lower uh, than 10%. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'll put myself between you two. Keaton, you're at zero. Bob is at 10. I'll go with 5%. All right. All right, DH, to start next year, Yoshida, Devers, or Otani? Well, I don't think Otani is going to happen. I don't know, man. He wants the, the New Balance's headquartered in Boston, will, right? That's a that's right. a real rumor. Yeah, that makes a lot all, of sense. Some fresh, all-white New Balances. How could he say Is that no? Peter Gammons? Yes, that was Peter Gammons. It's only tweet without a misspelling in three <laughs> years. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to bank on that, even though I'll beat the drum for the whole offseason for that to happen. Uh, I think Yoshida is the most likely DH. And Solaire was the name that I threw in as a free agent possibility. Ew. Get out of you here, don't, Bob. You don't like Solaire? No, I do, but I mean, he's fine. Do but we? Uh, why are we you bringing really in the DH tri- with the guys that they have on the roster? That's going to I brought, I brought in a left fielder. More. We we need another bat. They need another power bat in the lineup. And so I have Solaire's Whit Merrifield coming right? in. Who's yeah? Solaire's right-handed. I have Whit Merrifield coming in at second base. Who's not much of a power hitter. I think if they did that, they're. We don't know how much power Story's going to give them. You're banking on Devers, Cassis, and who to hit home runs at that point. So I think they need one more slugger with what I've outlined there. And I think outfield's the best chance of bringing that in. Um, But I wouldn't rule out Turner opting in or them revisiting because I think that he was a really good fit in the clubhouse it's hard to kind of find a fit for him and you know when we're already talking about a couple of DHs I mean this is a guy who with along with having a rough three weeks or so because of his foot injury it's 25 23 homers and 95 RBI and a 276 average and is still doing everything that he's done for close to 10 years with this team so I mean it's possible that he just takes the 13 and a half million and opts in at 39 and and he comes back as a partial DH. Yeah, it's just a weird situation because this team is so freaking left-handed at every position where they have stability. Like, you look at the guys who are going to be here for a while. Duran, left-handed. Casas, left-handed. Devers, left-handed. Like, just down the line, uh, it's kind of ridiculous. Yoshida's left-handed, too. It's just, there's, I just think that they're going to be short of power bat if Turner opts out and, you know, you don't land Otani. And it probably should be a right-handed hitter. So are you bringing in Solaire to DH and sending Yoshida back to the outfield? 
Sorry, sorry, I aggressively cut you off before you could lay that plan out. So that's my I, fault. No, I, I think they he played about forty games in the L field this year. He played forty in left field last year, and I, I don't know whether they split or or who would emerge in that spot. One's in left, one's at DH. I don't worry about that position as much. I want good defense and center field, shortstop, second base, which I think that they can build. Um, right. Yes. So second, short, center, right. If if they have good defense there, I think it can be a totally different season than what we saw here. And I'm not going to worry about the corner infield and left field as much if they show that up. That's interesting. They definitely need to get more right-handed. I just wonder, like, if if you had the choice, if you're playing GM, who are you bringing in there, Bob, if you have the, the choice between Turner and Solaire? I mean, you can probably get Turner on one year um, if he opts into that deal or if they decide to, like, rework something. Maybe you get him at two years if you rework the contract. But what do you do? Yeah, I'm fine with that. He's probably going to need more, right? Yeah, and I think he's already a good fit in the clubhouse, and he hits for a higher average. Solaire's a two forty three career hitter. Um, Be fine. I'd probably lean towards a Turner return. Does Otani hit left-handed or right-handed? Otani's a left-handed hitter, sir. Hmm. Again, can we work around that? <laughs> I'm wondering, is that a deal-breaker for you, Bob? <laughs> it's <is> still not. <laughs> he does uh, throw right-handed, though. Perhaps you were thinking of that. Yeah, that is weird. I don't know. Keaton, tell us why we're wrong. Who's going to be the DH on this yeah, team? Yeah, so since Rafael Devers' first full season in 2018, he has 114 errors at third base. Second place on that list is Jose Ramirez with 70. Ugh. If you expand that to all positions, Rafael Devers is still first at 114, and second is Javier Baez at 96. There is nobody even in the same stratosphere as Rafael Devers defensively. He cannot play that position anymore. He has to be your designated hitter. Good take. It's hard to it's hard to argue with that. Like the only argument against that is the contract. That's it. Like there's really not a very good coherent argument for rolling Devers out there at a position that's as busy as third base is. Well, in a lot of those years, he was 22, 23, 24. It. 25, he had an average defensive season. So he did improve at one point. Great. And then he's regressed again? Yes. <laughs> but so let me throw this one at you, Jake. So if you take him out of the field, put him at uh-huh. designated hitter, and now he doesn't have to put an extra effort defensively, you can just focus on hitting, and all of a sudden we got 50 bombs and a 320 average. So but where do you contract? put Otani? On he, he's mound. just going to hit 50 bombs because he's not in the field anymore? Yeah. Who, who's to say, Bob? This is, a, this is my hypothetical. Shut up. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I just didn't know how we get to 50. That just, you know. <laughs> he also right. starts taking the Balco pills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he starts using the clear. I don't know. All right. Well, DH is going to be confusing. I I agree that, you know, 
there's there's a whole lot of merit for both Devers and Yoshida to be there, and uh, I would most like Otani to be there. So we're gonna have to see how that one plays out. It's not it's not the cleanest thing. Um, bench, I have Willier Abreu, Pablo Reyes, Rob Snyder, and Reese McGuire. Um, any changes there, guys? I think it makes sense to have the lefty and the righty in Willier and Rob Snyder. Um, Reyes, I like enough to bring back. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think Reyes is the only one that isn't as much of a certainty for me, but... Yeah, you got four bench spots. It's going to be McGuire. It's going to be Ref Snyder unless they make a switch at catcher for McGuire. I've seen a decent amount from Abreu to think that that he can be a good left-handed hitter off the bench. Yeah, I mean, maybe they try to make an improvement at, on Reyes, but I know, I know he's shown a lot. I still don't know if this is going to work long-term or if we're going to look back and say he was he was a fun piece on that you know, rough season, 93 WRC plus. He's got two home runs. I don't know. I'm just not convinced that they say, let's move forward with him on the team. That's fair. But I don't Who have any replace him if you, uh, if you didn't have him? Otani. That's in the organization now? I don't have one. <laughs> We'd have to come from elsewhere. But I just, I mean, that it depends on what they do for a starter there. I don't know. Are they going to? Go for a platoon, or are they actually going to take second base seriously for once? Yeah, I think they got to take it seriously this year. But you know, and Manuel again, Valdez. I'm I'm also completely um, scarred from the last four years of like just completely ignoring glaring holes. So right. Uh, I don't know what to make of it, but I, I will say that I love the idea of Willier Breu as a bench outfielder because I think he can be a really good quality um, defensive replacement, either in right or left. And I think wherever you put him, like, it, let's just say you do, you do decide to go into the season with Massa in left field. On nights when you have the game in hand, you can take Massa out early to get him some extra rest sure up the defense by putting in Willier Abreu for the last few innings. Um, you know, can, can play both corners, allow Duran to move around. It's It gives you a lot of flexibility, and I think as a manager, that's an attractive thing. Yeah. i got no gripes there. Uh, Keaton, how are you feeling about Rob Snyder being on this team again? You know exactly how I feel about it. Better than Trout? Yes. <laughs> We've finally broken through. Um, I think that's it for the show, guys. Um, I guess let's just conclude with this. Give me your final predictions at each position offensively to start next year so let's go we'll we'll go each position right now and we'll each say who we think is going to be the starter there next year catcher i'm gonna go wong wong all right first base casas yeah casas second base 
I'm gonna Merrifield. go. Oh, you got Merrifield. Okay, who are you going, Keaton? I'm going Kim. All right, I'll go Donovan. Shortstop story. Yep. Yep. Third base, Devers. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, left field. I'm going to go. Oh, you got Solaire. Uh, I'm going to go Duran. Uh, center field. Duran. Rafaela. Rafaela for me. And right field. Do Ref Snyder. Ugh. Those I'm two men go, combined as one name. I'm gonna go Verdugo. I think that we well we all want him to get traded. He won't get traded. Um DH. Justin Turner. Yeah, this is where it gets tough. I'll say Yoshida, but if Turner opts in, then Yoshida's in left and Turner's the DH, right? I mean, that's a that's something that the team can't control. But I'll say Yoshida. I'm going to say Yoshida, too. Yeah, so really the only change I have there is Kim at second, and then everything else is basically being run back. Yeah, it's pretty chalky. All right, well, that about wraps it up for our offenses episode uh we will be back with you next week to discuss the pitching side of things where we get quite a bit more spicy um, with our pitching takes just because there's a whole hell of a lot more that needs to be done in that rotation uh than needs to be done in the uh on the offensive side of the ball so thank you for listening thank you for joining us and uh follow bob on twitter at Bob Osgood 15. Follow Keith at the Spoken Keats. Follow me at Dev Jake. We'll be with you again next week. Bye.